0: host of the podcast and founder of greedy vegan this week i'm joined by lara co-founder of loon and wild a food delivery service focusing on babies from six months onwards so those going through weaning to toddlers and children they aim to feed children's curiosity with delicious food which comes frozen and is nutritionally complete What this episode highlighted to me was the pressure on parents to do the right thing at the beginning, because this starts a child's relationship with food. I mean, you don't want your relationship with food or your likes or dislikes to influence your children's diet. Also, Lara was highlighting that the weaning process is when the child is most open to trying new foods and flavors, which is a lot of pressure for parents. And then again, this is where Loon and Wild comes in. I feel unhealthy relationships with food are more and more prominent. I've had guests on here that have gone through their experiences and shared their stories, and it is becoming increasingly more popular to have unhealthy relationships with food. So, if we can start the early stages right with our children, then we'll have a better chance going forward. I refer a lot in this episode to a crazy documentary called Junk Food Kids about obesity in the children in the UK. Honestly, I was so shocked. I highly recommend watching it. So I will leave the link in the episode notes. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I learned a lot. If you do enjoy it, please share it with a friend or family and have a lovely rest of your day. Lara is the co-founder of Loon and Wild, and she has had a journey through food herself. From going to Malu Cooking School, to the Ritz, to the Caribbean, and then to the Newt in Somerset. And now she's at Loon & Wild, feeding children across the UK. I'm looking forward to talking all things children, nutrition, and Loon & Wild with Lara today. Lara, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to hear about all things Loon & Wild. But before we do, can you give us a little elevator pitch about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So I'm one of the two founders of Loon & Wild. And we are on a mission to raise the, the bar of the children's food category with our delicious, highly nutritious handmade meals for, um, for young children.
0: Amazing. I love this. And I think that sometimes people forget about the importance of children's nutrition and how important it is for them when they're older. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that a bit more. But firstly, we have a quick fire round all about food. Okay. So sweet or savoury? Savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad?
1: Overloaded salad.
0: Crisps or popcorn. Crisps. Cook in or eat out. It's
1: always a tricky one. I think
0: eat out. Ice cream or sorbet. Ice cream. And what's your favourite delivery? Mm.
1: Probably holy cow. It
0: oh, very good. Good one. I've, I've heard the curry, curry and the onion bhajis are amazing. I've heard <laughs> this is good. I've not tried it though, so I need to try it. So I actually want to start at the beginning. So I know before Loon and Wild, you were in a lot of amazing kitchens. Can you talk a little bit about your kind of career before Loon and Wild?
1: Sure. So, I I left school and quite well actually just just straight after school I did an internship at the Ritz. Um, I think I was in there for two weeks. Um, within that time, uh, had a very um, yeah I, I fell in love with the whole idea of it. I saw everyone in their starch white uh, chef whites and the kind of chaos, but also everything was it was like a perfectly kind of orchestrated. Um, machine, I suppose, mm. and seeing everyone kind of working, um, creating these beautiful dishes, and I really fell in love with with the idea of of being involved in that in some way. Um, but I already knew I was going to cooking school in Ireland, so I went to Ballymalloo, which is um, a fantastic school. It's based on an organic farm. You learn everything from making bread, cheese. We milked cows. <laughs> it Amazing. was a really fantastic way to learn about produce and it's very produce driven and um understanding the importance of quality ingredients as the base of your dishes and um I think that's been really important because all of my cooking after that has has grown from that place I suppose it's quality ingredients simplicity really um and respecting and understanding where food is coming from so we would have lots of the um local growers, farmers, fishermen come in and speak to us, we were taught about butchery. Um, I think there can be this real dis- dissociation from where our food comes from, and I th- that can be very harmful to the way that we eat. Um, I remember someone saying that some children might hear that, th- that they were asked, think about what a chicken looks like, and they think about a chicken breast in a plastic wrapped packet on the supermarket shelf, not a not a real life bird. So. Um, That definitely was a really fantastic way to to start and to learn and to gain skills. Um, But I did go back to the Ritz. Um, I found that a fantastic way to start my career to really get the discipline and the skills um, that I needed uh, to take me into new opportunities. I then did a whole mixture of things. I worked abroad a lot, um, everywhere from Greece for a summer, um, France, catering for families, I did a few years in Switzerland in some the, the ski chalets, and um, and also in Grenada in the Caribbean. So I really allowed the food to take me to some fantastic places, Amazing. which was which was really really um, brilliant, like you know, lifestyle wise. But also each place offered something new to learn, and I think that's so crucial with food. Everyone has something to teach you. You can never have learned everything. <laughs> There's yeah, always that's so more to learn. true. Yeah, um, that's
0: so true. I mean life must be very different now from like the high-pressured kitchen life mm. to now being at and Wild, where I'm sure it's still high-pressured but not to the same extent in terms of the demand of like cooking somewhere like the Ritz
1: yeah it's funny I think I thought that um that nothing could be harder than that style of and it, and it is it's relentless I think what what's hard about it is the is the hours the lifestyle the, the you get your rota one week before and it's hard to really have much of a life outside of it and I know that that's all changing and, and um there's been a lot of focus on in hospitality about about kind of work-life balance and mm. and, and how pe- staff are treated um not to say there's anything negative about the way i was treated there at all then you start a business and it's uh it's a whole it's a whole different ball game altogether. definitely um, i say the pressure and is
0: is you know higher than higher than ever for sure
1: but it's in a way that is it's in in our control more so so yeah that feels different I suppose
0: definitely and you've gone from catering to really mature palettes Mm -hmm. to now maybe not such a mature palette so can you talk to me a bit about like where the idea for Luna then came from after all this experience
1: yeah so I think Part of it, I was, I've always been really interested in, in the, how we eat for our well-being and how connected those are and, and how obvious that seems, but how often they can be dissociated from one another. And um, I actually remember someone saying, almost describing Eastern and Western medicine and saying that in the West we often treat symptoms rather than looking at the root cause. And I think that was a similar thing with with the, the idea for Luna and Wild, was looking at the UK facing unprecedented challenges in terms of um, children's nutrition, obesity, sugar addiction um, and, and, and ongoing into adult life as you know we're seeing all those dietary challenges um, throughout our population and rather than looking at like diets and, and all of these kind of fads or exercises that, that are just trying to treat the symptom it's looking at what was the root cause, how did we learn to eat, how did we learn to enjoy food, and what were those foods, were they healthy, were they varied, Um, and this was probably back in um, sort of the summer of lockdown in 2020, I was um, at home with my family then, um, and had lots of time to research and to look into it and to start to understand what was currently available. Um, My elder sister was also expecting her first child so that was definitely an inspiration and then I was starting to think um, on a more personal level like what will she feed her child when when that comes and she, I'm definitely the chef in the family she's less of a keen cook so, okay um you know whereas I can imagine I'd be enthusiastic to to really embrace that weaning journey and start hand preparing meals that is not the reality for every parent and um people are busier than ever so yeah looking at what would what would the support be for someone who wants to feed their child really well and um and that's where it felt like there was this real need for something that was mirroring what a parent might do at home it was ham was hand prepared, fresh using a variety of of really good quality ingredients um, and so, in terms of how I decided to start creating the recipes and the flavors and what that would be for a child, really it was mirroring what we want to eat as adults and how we want that to progress too so a lot of the foods that we make are recognizable to you and i as things that we would eat but they obviously don't have um unnatural ingredients or added salt sugar anything like that um but the recipes i create are um just just combinations that I would that I would expect to sort of want to eat in a child would and that would be full of flavor and really enhanced with natural flavor through herbs and spices and great produce but I then work with pediatric dietitians to ensure that they don't just taste good that they are um, hitting the kind of nutritional requirements mm. at different stages
0: it's amazing I think you guys really kind of hit a few really important pillars I think for parents in terms of time you're saving them mm-hmm. time nutrition is a huge one and like kind of setting them up for life yeah and I've actually recently watched this documentary and it's called junk food kids mm-hmm. oh my I'd god have you watched no, it no, you no. must watch it I'll send you the link I'll actually put it in the show notes of this mm. of this podcast because it is so terrible I think the current statistic is that one-third of children in the UK are obese or yeah. overweight and it's just terrible and sadly the parents are trying to help but they were sadly the cause of it and you kind of mentioned about food and stuff and it kind of comes even down to sitting at the table as a family and eating your meal rather than being in front of the tv with food on your lap Mm -hmm. like even that relationship was really really fascinating so yeah I think with the nutrition now with what you're doing like it's just completely teaching the children about even the colour of the food on yeah, their plate yeah, yeah. and all those kind of things. And like, is that kind of the things that you're getting the feedback from? And is that kind of, are you seeing that kind of, are you seeing Lunar Wild helping this process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's really interesting because I think that um, parents' perception of food can definitely play a, a role in a child's sort of whole interaction. So um, there's a lot of behavioural studies around feeding and trying to create a relaxed environment and um not creating some foods as sort of like treats or 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 not and you know trying to almost allow your own um relationship with that food so if it's you know broccoli and you've always hated broccoli that can almost like become quite apparent when you're feeding it Um, but I'm always cautious to say you know the whole creating relaxed environment sometimes it's much easier said than done when you've got a screaming toddler or baby yeah um, you know these are kind of dream scenarios often but there can be this misconception that a child isn't going to like something because it's healthy. Um, but really what we were interested in was the window of opportunity that is, that is there during the weaning process. So there's a, there's a sort of opportunity from the very early stages of weaning, um, I mean, depending on what, type, what age they're starting, but around six months to around 10 months where a child is really, really quite open and receptive to, to trying new things. And um, that's the best time to be introducing a wide variety as you can of especially more bitter, savoury vegetables. So all of your greens, um, getting them used to those different, different kind of uh, tastes in their palate. Whereas when they get to around twelve, neophobia, which is the kind of fear of trying new things, can start to kick in, and that will um, will kind of manifest in a different way for different children. But essentially it's that instinct to say I don't want to try this like it's new I don't it's unfamiliar like Mm. I don't want it um so so yeah I think that um really trying to grasp the the earliest opportunity and that's not to say that if you miss that window that's it you know your child's gonna be fussy forever um they say that you've got to keep introducing and keep keep trying different formats different ways whether that's a puree or a finger food and children will change from that even their eating preferences will change in terms of how they're fed so a child might be spoon-fed um something that they they enjoy for for a few months and then the next day they're going to refuse it and they just want to be using their hands and it's all part of their development uh, their kind of wider development so um yeah i think it can be quite hard for, for parents to almost feel um Know, they're not going to eat this but they will eat the chicken nuggets or yeah. you know, this is this is just going to they just need to go to bed not hungry so do we just give them the easy option we can't I can't face a fight today and I think these are some of the the um the questions that parents ask themselves um but to answer your question yes we have seen really fantastic response in terms of how we're helping with this and you know, we met with a customer recently who said that her her daughter has grown up almost exclusively on Loon and Wild and um you know she's very proud of the fact that she eats all of her vegetables and is like a really really confident eater and I think that was that was a big mission for us at the beginning was we just want children to feel confident and curious to not be sat at a dinner table in their you know in their childhood at a family um at another family or at a friend's house and be afraid of the food that's put in front of them and yeah. thinking, I really don't like this because that brings in all sorts of anxieties and fears and um and, and that emotional attachment to that can then almost worsen the issue as well. So definitely,
0: definitely. I mean, you hear now so many sad stories about unhealthy relationships with food. Mm. and I've had amazing guests on here, and they've like shared their stories with me. And it's just like it is crazy. and that I think it does start at such a young age. And mm. I think even you know you're you're taking the pressure off of parents. and I think if they're worried about the process, they're going to be causing maybe a not a scene but it's going to be a big step in their mind and that will come across to the child and suddenly without even thinking about it the child's now worrying about it and like it's just with the yeah the more you focus on it i'm sure the probably the in a way the worse the event of trying new foods feels so you're just trying to make it as normal and easy as possible exactly and how do you make it so easy like what so i know it's frozen so why have you chosen frozen and like um how is it so easy
1: yeah, so um, I suppose what we're taking away is all of the work that comes before that meal is put onto the table. So it's the um, kind of letting that cognitive load of what am I going to cook for dinner tonight for yourself or for, for you know, Charlie, who's two, and, and Sarah, who's six, and, and all of those different um, preferences and you know, children eating different things at different times. Um, so the menu planning, and then we, um I was saying before, the recipes are made with paediatric, paediatric dietitians. So you can be assured that all of the nutritional value, um, all of the carbohydrates, fat, protein, iron, is all accounted for and balanced in in a way that that is nutritionally optimized for that particular stage. Um, And then, you know, our chefs spend hours hand preparing all of the ingredients the uh, root vegetables, legumes, um, different pulses, spices, everything's sort of slow cooked and, um, yeah, slow and gently cooked to really, really enhance the flavor. And then we flash freeze in, in different portions depending on the age um, product you're buying. Now, the reason we did the, the box of our cubes was to allow a um, kind of maximum variety in the most compact space because we realised that freezer space can be quite limited, especially in cities. Um, and we, so a, a normal serving would be 120 grams, but we would send that as two cubes of 60 so that um, parents can have the flexibility to decide they want to serve one or two. So if they're trying it for the first time, for example, and the child doesn't want to eat it, then there's less food waste. Um, The same if they're not particularly hungry, or it gives uh, flexibility to say, okay, I'm gonna serve one of these with some finger foods or some some steamed broccoli or something like that. Mm. So we wanted the parents to still feel like they were in control. um, And that flexibility reduces food waste and also packaging because we, can send eight cubes um or we now have a few different formats but this was the original idea um you have all eight eight cubes in a box two boxes as our kind of full menu um that's 16 servings in in two fully recyclable card sort of paper boxes versus 16 different pouches or like fully packaged meals so that was drastically reducing um the packaging there as well and frozen it just it, it tends to have less food waste because it can last in your freezer for, for nine months rather than um, having a you know three day life on it, and you're suddenly not you know you're going away for the weekend, and it comes back and you've got to throw it away. So we yeah. were hearing that quite a lot. Parents were feeling guilty about the amount of waste that is associated with raising a child. Um, some of that is inevitable. There's tons of nappies, and although there's other solutions. Um, the food was just another part that they were thinking we're just throwing so much away whether it's going off in the fridge or it's just not being eaten in the mealtime
0: no amazing that's so great and I was kind of looking at your your website and thinking about your business model and I was kind of thinking you kind of have two customers you have the parent and the child and you've got to yeah. try and please both yes. so you touched on a few solutions there where you're kind of pleasing the parent mm-hmm. by making it kind of <clears throat> easy lacking packaging making yeah. it more sustainable What else are you doing which helps please both parties? Obviously, the child is just probably just taste, taste, taste. Yes. But yeah, are there any other things that you do to please both? And is it difficult to please both? I mean, obviously, you can't please everyone. But I'm sure having to please a parent and a child is quite actually a difficult challenge.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good point because it was something that was definitely a conscious decision from us very early on is that we wanted to create a brand that spoke to parents because they are our customer, our consumer is the baby or the child, um, but we didn't feel that parents need um, to be spoken to in a way that is childish, we wanted to, to be speaking to, to them, um, so we've done that through our all of our branding, um, trying to create something that looked quite beautiful, um, shareable as well, we've had really great um, success through Instagram and people really kindly sharing and, um, and sort of wanting to talk about the brand, um, which... I think hadn't really happened for children's food products so much before um so i think partly through making something that was a real, real experience for parents so like opening that box we wanted it to feel like a chocolate box of, of different colorful flavors like really visual um because the parent is in that experience as much as the child especially with weaning you know you're um feeding your child solids for the first time it's quite an emotional transition as well and um all of the language around it can be very negative it's like it's messy it's it's wasteful it's gross or you know all of this kind of stuff and um we're like this should be really fun that you're introducing your baby to food for the first time and as a, as someone that loves food I was like that is such a cool time mm, <laughs> so yeah. to, to be able to help um shape your child's preferences and to get them to enjoy really good flavors and if we're to think about what our favorite foods are and what we started eating when we were younger like you would you would almost hope that it had come from like a really, really like brilliant place, and you'd um, kind of been on this journey with food, I suppose. Um, so yeah, the packaging um, is one thing, and then I suppose just through all of our customer service, we're primarily a direct to consumer business. Um, we really try to um, have that experience be just as good for the parents as um, it is for the child eating it. So we recently launched next day delivery um, Monday to Thursday. So that's a huge kind of step forward, I think, and that now um you can order our meals and then they'll arrive if before twelve o'clock they'll arrive the next day
0: i mean that's incredible I mean, I know from working with greedy vegan that is a real challenge in terms of distribution with food in general, let alone. Things that are frozen as well, like you've got the clock is ticking and it is a nightmare. So that's incredible that you guys have done that.
1: Yes, our ops team have worked very hard to make it happen. Um and it's it's been a really great move step forward, I think, because it is just all about trying to make our product as convenient as possible for parents.
0: No, definitely. And portion size, I find this quite fascinating because that's another thing that you're removing the decision for the parent on like yeah. how much because it's very easy to still be like, well, I don't know, how are you hungry? Like you're yes. not communicating. So um that must be a bit of a yeah big decision on what what is the correct portion size for Mm. different children like
1: yeah so especially with babies and really up to about three children are quite self-regulating so if they're still hungry they'll keep eating and if they're full they'll stop and I think that can sometimes feel quite tricky for parents because they just want their child to eat what looks like a good amount and sometimes they might just not really want to to eat so much Mm. They're pretty good at, at knowing what they want and need at that time. Um, they're kind of just led by these things of like hungry, tired. So like they, they're really in quite in control of that. Um, and especially during the first, um, so up to 12 months, they're still having most of their milk feeds as well. So a lot of the calories that they require are coming from their milk, um, whether that's formula or breast milk. Um, where, where food starts to play an important role from six months is in some of the iron, because um, the iron stores that are in um, breast milk, for example, start to deplete from around six months. So that's when food becomes more of an important um, part. So although um, although it's very much about just trying to understand how to start using their like their mouths and how to swallow and chew and develop their oral motor skills at the beginning, um, it is also food is also important from a kind of a vitamin and. Um, and getting, and getting um, yeah, their nutrients as well. But, um, and then after after three, appetites will generally um, inc- increase. Obviously, the child is, is bigger, but actually they're kind of going through less rapid growth spurts, so mm-hmm. it tends to stabilise out. Um, so you might have had a child that has been eating, you know, really, really big portions as a baby, and then they start to eat less, and that can feel quite worrying as well. Um, but often that's just because they're, their growth spurts are are sort of less intense at that time
0: god there's so much to think about with parents isn't there (laughs) like you're just like wow and they've probably got a job as well and they've probably got a million other things going on in their head and they're thinking about this so this is really where you guys come in because that yeah there's a lot going on
1: absolutely there's so much pressure and it's suddenly you're trying trying to feel like you're trying to do something right or perfectly when there's sort of well, there's there's loads and loads of books out there, but there's no kind of handbook and how to suddenly do things. No, this and... you want
0: to be the perfect mum or well, the yeah. perfect dad. And it's really challenging to tick every single box. So mm. I would, if I was a parent right now, I'd be like, I need this 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I now want to touch on sugars because you mentioned that um, a bit earlier. And again, I'm bringing up this documentary again, but another massive thing they were talking about is sugar in children's diet. And... Mm. The amount of decaying milk teeth that they had, and it was like then damaging their grown-up teeth, and yeah. it was just again. I'm I have to send this link to you because it's just so shocking. But you also do I've I've seen like some snacks for children. Yeah. But you mentioned sugars, so I'm guessing you really try and reduce the sugar and like what's yeah what's the yes. score with that?
1: Yeah. So we we never use any uh, refined sugar or added sugar to um to our range, and and actually throughout our range we never um added fruit into savoury meals because that was something that we could see was becoming the norm um was that you might get a you know a parsnip and kale dish but actually it has a high content of apple or pear in there as well and we kind of questioned you know, why do they I actually did ask the pediatric dietitians that we work with at the beginning in case I was just completely missing something um being new to the kind of category is there a reason that we have to put fruit into a baby's savory meal or supposedly savory meal and and no it's just that they're going to be more likely to to like it so it's sweeter you know, we're born with this innate love of sweet milk as uh, sweet taste because milk is sweeter mm-hmm. um, and and so it's a really easy way to to get them to eat um, but we we just wanted to completely avoid that we're really trying to promote the love of savory flavors so um, our snacks that we've just recently brought out there so sort of Multi-purpose, so they can be finger foods for more weaning age from seven months plus, but they can also be a healthy snack for up to preschool age. And um, we have got uh, some savory muffins. Um, We've got um, falafels, which has a bit of sweet potato in, so we're kind of using a bit of sweetness from from um, the the kind of sweet potato and beetroot that are naturally sweet. Mm. Um, And then we've got a carrot cake bar that we recently brought out, and we do use some um, some some dates in it Um, but looking at the kind of closest um competitive brand in the supermarket we've got half the amount of naturally occurring sugars in there so um that's something that we were also working with our pediatric dietitians on as we develop new recipes if we're going to be making um sort of sweeter flavored snacks um how can we make sure that those are drastically you know, lower than, yeah. than the, the kind of current
0: industry definitely standard. I think it's really hard. I'm just thinking about like kind of my upbringing, and I know, for example, my brother and I, we both don't really drink Coca-Cola that much. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, were we ever like banned? Was it ever banned in our house? And it wasn't. And I think it's a, trying to get this balance between promoting healthy, low sugar food and giving yeah. your children that. But then I'm guessing this is when the children are getting a bit older. But then not allowing refined sugars because yes. then maybe there's a point where they're going to be like rebelling and craving yes, and like yes. I don't know storing it under their bed or something yes. and it's like oh we've now actually done the opposite of what we were trying to do yeah so it's because I know I'm I love cooking and I hope that when I'm old, I'd love to like create like you know like you mentioned like carrot cake with dates and date mm-hmm. balls and all these kind of things for my children I think it'd be really fun for them to eat those yeah. and delicious but I'm like oh I can't go too far otherwise yes. they might not they'll see a kit kat and i'll be like
1: oh, oh my
0: god <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like it's yeah. trying to get that balance isn't yeah
1: it? absolutely
0: so how would you recommend i mean it's a hard question it's probably the million dollar question but how do you try and get that balance
1: i think balance is the word it's 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 not trying to um, also glorify certain foods and shame other foods so um i think using i, I i'm sure it does happen all the time but you know there's going to be like the birthday cakes and things like that and if they're Almost celebrated so much as these like incredible, you know, the fantastic moments where you're having sugar and um, I think we all do it because we've got this nostalgia attached to things and we love yeah. like treats as well, I suppose um, as we're older. But trying to I suppose reduce the hype around unhealthy sugary foods and have a sort of an equally as enth- or equally as enthusiastic about the carrot cake bite that has uh, yeah. that has a sugar and yeah. suppose they do taste delicious. Um, so I think it's sometimes around the way that we present these foods. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I think it is about balance. I think it's also com- part of everyone's childhood that you, you have birthday cake and you have, you know, Colin the Caterpillar or whatever <laughs> Yeah. It is. And, um, I don't think that that needs to be, um, that, that needs to be kind of completely eliminated. I think it's more about kind of crowding out with really good foods. And, mm. um, you know, if, if, of your diet is is really healthy then I think there's room for 20% to to be free you know yeah I think that in a similar way with um with our kind of stance on on meat as well because we didn't decide or want to be a plant-based company um but we have tried to really be kind of plant rich so all of our meals have got lots of vegetables in, in them um so we can to continue to innovate in that way I think where you know a carrot cake obviously that's quite a, a classic where it's got carrot in it but there's more we can do I think in in just always ensuring that there's a nutri- nutrient kind of boost in that thing mm. as well so um, our banana and blueberry oat bars for example um, are a source of protein and zinc um, so they're still nutritionally kind of dense and giving something good to the child as well as being a sweeter treat
0: yeah no definitely and with your recipes I know they're quite not advanced but like they sound really exotic for maybe rather than like your classic I don't know shepherd's pie type meal Mm -hmm. it's like dals or tagines or something like that do you think it's um, important to kind of expand your children's taste buds at an early age rather than just uh, yeah is that an important part yeah
1: definitely and I think um, you'll notice throughout our range like our baby meals possibly are sounding a little bit more adventurous and that's um partly as i was explaining earlier about the kind of window opportunity and and babies are often easier to feed in that um they'll try many more things and they're also less aware of the uh, the titles that they've been given so part of that is for um for the parent to to recognize and associate that with something that they eat themselves um but when we get to our one year plus range we're really trying to create childhood classics with a plant-rich twist so we do have a shepherd's pie with a sweet potato top and we but it's also got lots of lentils in it as well um, and we have um, our chicken pie, it's got five vegetables in it um, and then we do a five veg pasta which is uh, a tomato sauce loaded with vegetables and has a veggie uh, sort of meat meatball on top mm. um, our mac and cheese has got squash and spinach in it so we're taking something like macaroni and cheese chicken pie, shepherd's pie but just really trying to boost it as much as we can with, yeah. with lots of goodness through, through veg and plant produce as well.
0: Delicious, I mean this sounds amazing <laughs> I want to eat these dishes um, now touching on plant based what is your view on it all because I mean you mentioned chicken pie but then there's a lot of kind of plant based basically mm-hmm. dishes, what's your two questions to this what's your personal view on plant based and your diet mm-hmm. and what's your view on bringing up children on a plant-based or predominantly plant-based diet what's mm-hmm. yeah what's your view on that
1: so for my own diet um changed lots over the years i was um predominantly vegetarian for almost all my 20s um vegan for a short period of time but um mostly vegetarian and um when we started lune and wild it was um this plant-rich word kept coming back to us we we're like we really want this to be um everything to kind of have a focus on plants and actually the newt where I used to work was quite like that the 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 plate may well have um some beef on it but it's the focus is really all around the vegetables so it might be called beef sorry with beef but it'd be called celeriac or something like that I love that about the newt it's It's just quickly touching on that
0: it's it's like you'd order the char-grilled leeks or something with like hazelnuts but then you get a side of beef and I loved that it's like oh wow so the side's not the veg anymore the side is the meat exactly i love that kind of shift
1: yeah and i think um i think i'm sorry and to come back to how i eat now i I would say it's probably whether you want to put a label on it maybe more flexitarian because i will occasionally eat um eat meat when it's um i don't know when i know where it's coming from it's from a great farm and um it's the same with lune and wild we we source from a really fantastic farm they have um all of their own animals and butchery on site. So we are buying from a farm and we know the farmers, we know the butcher on site and then that comes to us. So we've got such great control over that supply chain and they are brilliant to work with. They're called Hay Farm in Devon and um, mm. they use regenerative um, practices on their farm. And, and it's it's really, we couldn't have a better, a better relationship mm-hmm. there. So that's, we're really, really lucky to have that. Um, and I think that the flexitarian whether people like the term or not it is a a way of eating that is feels much more manageable than to say to everyone we all need to be plant-based trying to convert the whole population to a plant-based diet is is a very difficult challenge and I think possibly not necessary if it's just changing the shift from you know I need to have my meat and two veg every meal which I think people are drastically moving away from anyway um to understanding and enjoying vegetarian recipes and then also having high welfare meat or fish if they they want to.
0: With Lara's knowledge and experience in food, I was so pleased to hear that she agrees with me with the flexitarian approach vegan isn't right for everyone but plant-based food is if you are still on the fence and want to try more but don't know where to go don't know what to try and don't know what you will like what you won't like i feel your pain head to greedy vegan and order a box of products to try you won't be disappointed and if you are email me and i will have a chat with you refund you but you won't be disappointed give it a try
1: so for our own recipes it's sort of an 80 20 approach i would say um in our toddler range anyway so we have uh, about nine recipes currently um, available and three of those are meat so okay the the core range is still vegetarian and I feel that um, it's quite easy to to whip up a a, a meat dish at home but sometimes it's the vegetarian stuff that maybe takes a bit more inspiration and time and thought into it so definitely trying to really um, support parents with that part of their child's diet. like uh, a more useful interesting way to start and um, and that's the same with the baby meals as well they're all plant-based so to come to your question about can you raise a child plant-based or vegetarian um, I think that you can for sure Um, it's just that you've got to know what you're doing where to supplement and I think what's great about our meals is that we do ensure that they're a source of iron protein. So that's two of the kind of key nutrients that you're that you're um, concerned about in that age group, and um, the fact that you can do that through legumes, flax seeds, um, different uh, even like nut butters as well. Um, so that's something that I work very closely with our pediatric dietitians on, and one of the dietitians we work with, um, Paula Hallam, she, her instagram handle is actually plant-based kids so she's a real advocate for a plant-based diet and um i feel confident that if someone wanted to raise their child vegan with her support that is something that that can definitely be done safely um i think my own personal um stance on it if i was raising my child would just be that to to expose them to as much variety as possible so um doing that through plants but um maybe having elements of high welfare meat as well similar to how we do at Luton Wild and then allowing them to make that choice when they when they want to
0: definitely definitely and I completely agree with you with the whole flexitarian approach I think I mean what we're doing with Greedy Vegan is trying to make it more easy and normal to have plant-based food like it's Mm -hmm. so great so why wouldn't you just incorporate it like this is an incredible plant-based cheese just have it try it and if you want normal cheese have normal cheese like it's not such a black and white massive decision like it's making plant-based easy and normal rather than this whole oh you're oh you want vegan cheese oh like it's not a it's not a problem it's just different
1: i had a vegan sausage sandwich
0: this morning yeah i mean heaven great i love it really good (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to mean that you're you're vegan it's just like a different way of eating but it's a really great way of eating so no i'm completely with you and I now want to quickly touch on working with your cousin. We haven't mm-hmm. even mentioned your co-founder and yes. she plays a massive part in your yeah. as well. So yeah, how is it working with your cousin and how do you guys split the business?
1: Sure. Um, it's really fantastic working with her. It really, really is. And um, I think I was saying this to you before we started recording that um, I kind of had the, the idea for the baby meals um, in, in summer 2020 and then um, in the autumn time, Nadia had been hearing about this because I'd been sending her meals to try with her daughter and um, they were going down really well. So she was like, yeah, can you make more of these? This is fantastic. It was great to have her um, sort of live testing testing um, the meals, but then very quickly, she was actually interested in getting involved. And um, Nadia's background, um, is more in kind of commercial sales and strategy. So she used to work with a, um, a company that owns lots of supermarket, vegetarian, healthy brands so um a really great complementary kind of skill set to my own whereas I'm very heavily food and product focused that she brings all the kind of business development side um and it's something really lovely about working with family I guess um so we yeah we teamed up really quickly um and she was then in um still kind of working out a notice period at her job she kind of took that leap of faith and came and joined me full time and um I I mean Luna Wild wouldn't be where it is today without her and um it's been fantastic to have that kind of that partnership with our with our different skill sets and um I think even just in, through her own experience with Eve her daughter she outgrew Luna Moir quite quickly because at that point we just had baby meals for six up to six months sorry from six to twelve months and um so we, we were quite quick to learn that that wasn't going to be a sustainable business if our customers dropped off um, after a couple of months and meanwhile Eve was at home and she didn't want to eat baby cubes anymore so we were like we need to get on to the next thing like what what is the toddler range going to look like and um, she's definitely helped through her own experience but also through all of the research that we've done speaking to lots of our customers, lots of parents um, really helped kind of focus perhaps my ideas <laughs> yeah. for where they should be um, and and yeah it's, it's, it's great working with
0: her Amazing, it's a, it's like the perfect team in terms of product and then kind of strategy and direction It's it sounds really great yeah. and with family you've got that kind of loyalty, trust element already built in exactly. which must be really nice and just that's one thing you don't have to worry about in terms of yeah. business partners, I mean I'm sure there can be so many challenges but that just seems like it's a a good a good partnership which is great exactly so i now want to finish with my final question which i always ask people and that is what would your last meal be so this is starter main course and dessert
1: starter main course and dessert okay definitely a dessert (laughs) just go backwards (laughs) yeah yeah, you can can Um, start backwards okay i'd start i'd end with a tiramisu that would be
0: my last good one i love them have you got one that you'd have like do you know where you'd go for that tiramisu? Would you make oh. it yourself? Or is there a restaurant where you're like, that one is the best?
1: Do you know what? I really wish I could remember where um, there was like a tiramisu competition in London last year where all the different restaurants were making tiramisu. Wow. <laughs> I had to get a ticket. I didn't get one. So oh, got it. I'm, I'm still, I'm still in, in search of the best tiramisu. Okay, amazing. There's been, of, there's been a lot of work out there. For, it? <laughs> um, and then my main course, what would that be? Okay, I'm going to starter sorry it's a really like no that's awkward. fine um <laughs> uh, toast the kind of Swedish prawn oh yeah prawn, prawn yeah goat. that's, that's a bit, cool like a much better Swedish version of prawn cocktail um and Probably just a lasagna, my mum's lasagna. Oh, good so, one. So all the kind of comfort meals. Comfort. Yeah. Comfort
0: meals, amazing. Not
1: in that order, though, I said it, though, because I think tiramisu, then prawns, then lasagna would be pretty strange. Yeah,
0: but. I think prawn, <laughs> lasagna, tiramisu would be, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds it. great. Well, Lara, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so insightful to talk about kind of the early stages of, what, like, introducing the world of food. I think I speak to a, a range of people who are really advanced in their journey of food and Mm. it's been really interesting to kind of go back to the early days and how important they are um and what you guys are doing is incredible and I I came across it and I was like this is just genius like I would definitely use this I think it's amazing so um yeah you guys have only been going since 2022 and that's incredible so thank you so much yeah keep it going it's amazing be for
1: you soon as well we're hoping to to branch up into more like family family meals and sauces so that'll be oh great amazing for i love it
0: well thank you so thank you. so much thank you thank you guys so much for listening so i was wondering if you could do me a quick favor please click subscribe or follow on this podcast and share this episode to a new mom who needs to hear this The more we spread the word about this podcast, the better the podcast will get. And I really do have some amazing things in mind. So please, please, please share if you can. Thanks again and see you next week.